0: This episode of Where To Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie Chinatown from 1974. If you have never seen the movie before, or you want to take part by sending a review into this episode, then please hit stop now. Go away, watch a movie, get your review written up, or watch it and then just come back and listen to the episode. If, however, you don't care then just keep listening on. Don't say you weren't warned. Los Angeles, 1937. There are lots of guys like J.J. Giddes. They're easy to find, if you want to find them. Mr. Giddes, have we ever met... Never. Never. Since you agree with me that we've never met before, you must also agree with me that I've never hired you to do anything, certainly not spy on my husband. I don't get tough with anyone, Mr. Giddies. My lawyer does. You do your job. And sometimes you find the answers to questions that should never be asked. Or you find out what happens to people who ask them. Hold it down, kitty cat. Oh. You're a very nosy fellow, kitty cat, huh? You know what happens to nosy oh. cat? Oh. I dislike the word cheat. Did you have affairs? No, Mr. Giddy's. Did he know about it? Where were you when your husband died? Seeing someone too. For very long? I don't see anyone for very long, Mr. Giddens. It's difficult for me. Mr. Giddens, you're dealing with a disturbed woman who's just lost her husband. I don't want to take him a You get tough. You get tender. You get close to each other. Maybe you even get close to the truth. Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway in a Robert Evans production of a Roman Polanski film, Chinatown and welcome back to a brand new series of where to begin with this season we will be running 10 episodes strong 10 movies that exist within the subgenre known as film noir and neo noir now I will be honest with you, up front, as much as I can, I have for the longest time been a fan of this sub-genre. This is kind of the movies that I grew up watching as a kid. I had um, a, a grandparent who not only liked to watch a little bit of the macabre, a little bit of the darkness, a little bit of the horror, but for the most part was a big fan of murder mysteries and just in general, crime. It's where I found uh, a kind of renewed interest in my teens in things like true crime. And it's something that stuck with me all the way through. I love the idea, I love the environment, and I love the setups of film noir and neo-noir. It is an adaptable subgenre that finds itself kind of working its way into all manner of different movie Plots. Now these could be science fiction, these could be dramas, these could be period pieces, these could be westerns. There's all different examples of the film noir aesthetic working its way through. So yeah, there will be 10 movies coming up on this season that will occupy film noir and neo-noir. Now the first movie I have selected, interestingly enough, when it came out... Was classed as a neo-noir movie, but it came out in nineteen seventy-four. So this movie is almost fifty years old, which in itself is frightening to see. But you know, by this stretch, you know, it's, it's kind of almost is that is that way where music plays and classic rock when you are in the. 90s was stuff that was released in the 70s and now that we're in like 2022 classic rock is stuff that was released in the 90s it's like kind of perplexing but it's the the saga of time. The movie we're going to be discussing on this episode is Chinatown from 1974 directed by the let's be honest controversial director Roman Polanski. Chinatown could very well be the greatest example of neo-noir, film noir, whichever which way we want to kind of preface it, but it could be maybe the best example of this. It's a story that weaves a, a plot that twists and that has incredible performances including that of its central performance, Gigi Gates, played by Jack Nicholson. Uh, Nicholson is absolutely phenomenal in this movie I mean there's a reason that you know we we look upon the roles that this guy had um, with with great fondness and he has really turned in some incredible performances in all different genres but this was like one of these roles where he himself uh, loved so much that he kind of pushed forward for a kind of quasi reboot of the character ...in 1990, where he reprised the role in the movie The Two Jakes, which woefully underperformed. Um, there's a couple of reasons behind that. One, I think the genre itself, I don't know how, peop- how much people were actually interested in this sort of movie in 1990. Second reason, it doesn't really have that Roman Polanski flair. This is Jack Nicholson himself directing it, and you can feel that he really gets absorbed by by the character... But I also just think it's it weirdly loses a lot of the appeal, um, and I just want to stress: I do love the two Jakes. I think it's a great movie, but it does lose a bit of that appeal that you get specifically when you watch Chinatown. Chinatown it has a it has a, a a vibe, a, a feel, a greatness, a preoccupation with with the the unfolding of a mystery in a way which. It's typical for the genre, but I'll be honest, it's, you know, it's at this point you actually start to realise how great a director Roman Polanski actually is. Now, given any given day where you ask about Roman Polanski, depending on what genre you like, you're going to hear some different things flung back at you. You're going to hear Rosemary's Baby for sure. There's no way you talk about Polanski and you don't talk about Rosemary's Baby, one of those iconic horror movies that kind of transcends the genre, so to speak, but it's not as if that was his first swing at things, you know, Repulsion had come out, what, five years before and delivered a lot of that kind of, that paranoia, that claustrophobia that he's really, really good at putting across. You know, you roll out that apartment trilogy with the tenant um, and you're onto something kind of special, but, you know, What's weird about Chinatown is Chinatown is the movie he directs kind of in between Rosemary's Baby and and The Tenant in a way where he's already kind of re-established himself and the genre of horror. And then he goes ahead and then kind of re-establishes the film noir genre. And since then, he's kind of played in a kind of... A kind of dual role of kind of doing versions of this movie and uh, and, and certainly to an extent uh, Rosemary's Baby for a prolonged period after all the thrillers kind of felt like noirish thrillers all the horrors kind of felt like Rosemary Baby esque horrors um, so and uh, you know he's he's still actively making movies as it stands and some of them are you know less abrasive as the ones before but. I I think you could argue comfortably in a world where Chinatown doesn't exist, movies like uh, LA Confidential don't exist, and LA Confidential in itself, another highly ranked movie. In fact, there is a litany of movies that come out after this that owe a lot to the the quasi-resurrection of the subgenre that Polanski puts forward. The plot for this one is basically that A Private Detective is first kind of hired by what he thinks is the wife of a prominent city official to take photographs of this guy um, fooling around with another woman. He does that job really, really well. The only problem is it wasn't the guy's wife that actually hired him. And on top of that, she is now suing him for the, the, the issues that have been caused from this. Add to the mix that the public official then dies in what seems like suspicious circumstances shortly after, brings um, brings um, the you know the case and the web of deceit into full view for the the audience because we now have uh, Gates spending time trying to at the behest of his uh, you know of the kind of the councilman's wife uh, who's played by Faye Dunaway she's great in this movie um, kind of you know puts him in this unraveling mystery of public corruption and you know wealth and power pulling the strings uh, and setting the kind of setting the stakes in a way where uh, Gates might just be completely out of his depth no in fact it's not just that he's completely out of his depth he is he's so, so deep in it now that you can no longer see the surface. The beauty of how this is portrayed is that Jack Nicholson is kind of a know-all in this movie. He's very seldom proved wrong and he usually is one step ahead of everything else that's happening. But the problems that lie in is, you know, eventually all these things catch up to him and he is played by several sides with what appears to be relative ease, and by the time he cottons on to what he actually thinks has happened, and by the time the audience know what is going on, things are too late, and he's kind of left as this broken shell of a woman. And one of those great Hollywood noir endings. The reason I love the subgenre so much is that it doesn't always give you happy endings, and I'm a I'm a big fan of movies that don't give you happy endings because seldom times in life are things all wrapped up in a nice neat bowl with a happy ending and a pat in the back. It it tends to be more the case that there are many shades of grey that we have to wade through and ultimately we might not be happy with the outcome we get and that's kind of where we arrive here. Um, Gates for all is... Is bravado, for all his intelligence, for all his problem-solving prowess, is ultimately, at the end, uh, another victim of Chinatown. Um, which is a linking reference throughout the entirety of the movie to something that happened that drove Geitz from the police force and into being a private detective um casting in this one is super strong i mean super super strong like i mentioned feed under we please that kind of um debonair mysterious woman of wealth and power um but you know you have great Performances round about a small cameo from Polanski himself, obviously doing the old Hitchcock thing as a like a crazy little man with a knife. Um, but you have a, a Bruce Glover performance here, which is kind of great. James Hong makes an appearance, which is also amazing. But you have Perry Lopez, who's like you you will see him pop up in loads of movies of the era. Uh, John Hillerman is you know makes an appearance here. John Huston, um, just like, a, like an incredible group of of actors who essentially turn in phenomenal kind of moustache twiddling or kind of oblique performances to keep you going um on top of all that as well we kind of just have to talk about the fact that this is a two-hour movie this is like this is a sit down get ready to be absorbed by the world that Polanski creates and it never feels its length, weirdly this movie to me always kind of feels like a a tight 130 and it's never been that way, you know it kind of pushes at pace and gets you gets you I mean just engrossed with everything that's happening in such a way that like I say when you finally finish it you're just like this is, this is about as good as it gets. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith turns in a phenomenal score to this movie, I mean Oscar worthy Score for this movie for sure adds to all the elements you get. You get a bit of the old school, you get a little bit of the new school for the time as well. The instrumentation's classic, but at the same time progressive. It's it's fun and it keeps you going. It, it, it keeps you pulled down and and kind of pushed in to the environment you're in. At no point are you ever really questioning anything except that this is the period piece and you are in that level trying to get. To the end of the mystery itself. Now it's probably also worth saying that this was a like critical um, success. Uh, won the best Oscar for the best writing of the original screenplay for Robert Towney but it was up for best picture, best actor, best lead actress, best director, best cinematography, uh, best art direction, best costume design, best sound, best film editing and best music. So this one was kind of across the board. Um, when it came to the BAFTAs over in the UK, it, it, you know, it, it ruled the roost with best actor for Jack Nicholson, um, best director and best screenplay. And then just continued the the run everywhere it went. People loved it. Best motion picture at the Golden Globes, best director, best actor, and best screenplay again. You know, just it it, it picked them up. And it seemed that people were primed. It it felt like there was enough time had passed in the the history of uh, the kind of idea of film noir that we could kind of regalvanise and kind of reinvigorate it. It's on the forefront of what is classed as neo-noir, but like I say, with its 50 years almost in the in the bank now, it's very difficult to use that term. Neo-noir now is used um, like a- alongside movies like um, um, the new Blade Runner movie, or to an extent something like Brick, um, where using those elements and bringing them through and they're more modern movies in themselves. Chinatown is a triumph of direction, script, score, design, execution and acting from front to back and never really loses any steam at all. It's it's one of those movies that you just kind of Acknowledge and recognise that it is a bona fide classic. It's like like I said before, it's maybe about as good as this genre gets and you could argue it's maybe as about as good as cinema gets. Um, Polanski at this time, at this particular time period, is like phenomenally talented. I mean, to the point where like this guy has the Midas touch when it comes to movies at the time, but how they were, be perceived in the future, regardless of of your of your feelings of the you know of the director himself. Um it, it's just something truly quite phenomenal. So, ladies and gents, with that setup, with that preamble as to why I think we should be discussing a little bit of Chinatown on this episode of Where to Begin with, I'm going to give you your homework assignment. Now, assuming you're listening to this episode and you want to take part, and I encourage you that you do. These are always fun. It doesn't matter if you write an essay. It doesn't matter if you send me an audio message. It doesn't matter if it's just a small link to your letterboxed account where you review of Chinatown. The more you participate, the more this series becomes fun. And we've nine more movies to discuss after this. But what I'm looking for from you, you lovely listeners out there, is a review of Chinatown. Couldn't be any easier than that. Now, when it comes to sending in to me, there are various different methods to do that, but I would suggest that you Follow the show notes, submit into the Tea Putts Collective email address, and get it into me in time that we can read out your reviews on the next episode as I announce the next movie. The cut-off for this one is into me no later than Friday the eleventh of. March. That's Friday the 11th of March. Now I'm fully aware that I'm not giving you a huge amount of time. It's essentially three weeks uh, but we'll get into a better routine. So Friday 11th of March for this one. The next episode of this show will drop on Wednesday the 16th. So get it into me for Friday the 11th of March. The next episode is dropping on Wednesday the 16th the movie that we'll be covering on that episode and movie number two in my selection where we're going straight to the master of the thriller. We're doing a little bit of Alfred Hitchcock and we're doing legitimately one of my favourite Hitchcock movies of all time. We'll be doing Strangers on a Train from 1951. So there you go, ladies and gents. That is your second movie that we'll be doing. Make sure you get Chinatown Watch, get your reviews into me, and you will return with me to do the next episode of season three. We'll be doing Strangers on a Train from 1951. All that's left for me to say is it's great to be back with where to begin with. This episode feels like it's been cursed. This is the third time I have recorded this episode. For whatever reason, audio discrepancies and just general lack of of good quality have, uh, have made me take this episode down a few times. And uh, it feels good to finally get this one out there for you. I am super excited spend 2022 with you guys chatting about film noir and neo-noir and whilst the next movie is definitely film noir one the one that will be coming in episode three is nice current and neo-noir and also one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years so we are just going through a murderer's row of awesome cinema and I am overjoyed that you're spending time with me to do it throughout All that's left for me to say is please take care of yourselves out there. And until the next time, this is Duncan McLeish from Where To Begin With and I'll speak to you all in one month's time.